Welcome to Parkinson's and Me. I'm Daniel, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing Parkinson's and marriage. However, I am not alone, and those of you that have listened to prior episodes know that my brother Brian, who does not have Parkinson's, has been kind and generous enough to record these podcasts with me. Brian, how are you doing? Doing okay, brother, and it's a pleasure to be here on the show with you, as always. want to check in with you. How has your week been? It feels like one of those days to where you have things in front of you to look forward to. It's not blue and dreary. It's, it's I have a life in front of me, and it's a good day that my symptoms aren't too predominant. Yeah, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Fantastic. And listeners may recall in our last program, we got into the popular phrase from the Shawshank Redemption film, get busy living or get busy dying. And on this particular episode, we want to dive into the whole get busy living topic with something that concerns many of you who are diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and that is the topic of marriage. And Daniel, congratulations on being married for 17 years. I cannot believe it's been that long. Uh, let's share with the audience how you met your wife and married this girl of your dreams. Well, in order to, to do that, I have to include you, Brian, because you were such an, an instrumental part. Let's go back and, and fill us in on how things started with you, because the ball was in your court. Yes, indeed. Uh, as my girlfriend and I were saying goodbye to 1998 and hello to 1999, one of the things I was really wanting to see from that year was someone coming into your life and making it better. From my memory, it serves it was kind of a challenging season for you during that particular time. So I inquired to my girlfriend, is there anyone that you could see would be a good fit with my brother that's single, has faith, and someone he could get along with. So, she had a girl in mind. We were getting everything set up. I contacted you. We were going to go out. As things would have it, it did not work out due to some bad choices on her part. Kim was really irritated by that, and you were just kind of not surprised, I think, and just like, whatever. And then we went to plan B. Kim suggested another friend that she had, and this might be a good match. And so, I contacted you. You were open to just going out. But the interest didn't seem to be so much about meeting this new friend as it was just enjoying the time and hanging out with Kim and I. Yeah, just from my point of view, I was going, uh, not expecting anything at all. Nope. I had met your girlfriend. She was super cool. And I was like, well, this will be great time just to spend time with Brian and his girlfriend. When we drove up to Applebee's, there was this girl waiting outside. She was really cute. In my mind, I was like, that'd be great if this cute girl was the girl we were supposed to meet. Happily enough, it was. And in fact, Brian, I remember clearly stating to you before we uh, went to the meal to Applebee's that if this worked out to be anything or enjoyable on my part, I'd pay for the meal for all of us. I remember that and, well. Yeah, so uh, we were having a great time and a great meal, and I looked over at you, Brian, and I remember your face still clearly to this day when I said, I got the check. 
You were very surprised. Very surprised and because you weren't giving any many hints of flirtation or interest or I was anything. playing the game, yeah. man. And so yeah, I was looking for things and you definitely were not being obvious in your interest, for sure. Yeah, I had to ensure that she didn't know that I was on the inside going, sweet! She was intelligent. She was beautiful. We have a, a lot of similarities together. It was a first date. That was one for the books that, as you had mentioned, it was a rough season in my life. And meeting that that right type of girl, seeing a faraway illusion, a fantasy, something from the movies that would certainly not happen to me. Uh, my wife and I, we got married. And Brian, I'm still so grateful for that um, because she brought literally the girl of my dreams I was able to marry her, and it was one of my favorite days, our wedding day. I will share. I will share. All that life has to offer. All that life has to offer. Our hopes and dreams. Our hopes and dreams. Our achievements and disappointments. Our achievements and disappointments. Until death do us part. Until death do us part. Will you repeat after me? With all my heart. With all my heart. I take you, Daniel. I take you, Daniel. To be my wedded husband. To be my wedded husband. For wherever you go. For wherever you go. I will go. I will go. And wherever you lodge. And wherever you lodge. I will lodge. I will lodge. Until death do us part. Until death do us part. Having pledged your faith. Look at each other. <laughs> I pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss your bride. <laughs> Since that wedding day, what strengths do you two have as a married couple? I think it's important to recognize what motivates us. Now, I am a thinker. It is a strength, but it also is a, an incredible weakness. I think myself to death is exhausting. However, we're talking about strengths here. I like to plan long-term goals. I spend so much time thinking anyways that it's strategic to me. In the relationship, I am the long-term thinker and goal setter. My wife is so good about living in the moment, and she finds satisfaction in conquering daily tasks. She's, like I said, more in the moment. At the end of the day, if she can cross off that task on her list, then she's ready to face tomorrow. I tend to prefer running into an unknown place where she is much more cautious I like to jump out, out of airplanes with a parachute for skydiving. She would certainly never want to do that. Well, opposites attract, and in this case, it seems like your differences make you guys a strong couple. I just really think it's important to know and understand as a couple what your strengths are. That way you're not doing the heavy lifting regarding something that you don't have any skill or your spouse is much more gift than you are and can help you lift that. It's very comforting. So I can imagine those strengths and those wedding vows were really put to the test after your world was shattered in the neurologist's office with your Parkinson's diagnosis. And we had to find our different ways as well as together to pick the pieces back up. So for me, after the initial shock began to wear off, I really began noticing that our conversations were dominated 
by my fear and confusion, and understandably so, that I was outlining in great detail how my life was over and outlining to her the terrible things that were going to happen in our lives to come. How did she react to that? I don't think it was uh, very good for her at all. How so? Well, she was my only outlet, which I believe to be very dangerous. At that time, I didn't have any other options. And it was as if I was vomiting poison. Mm -hmm. We would be discussing something else not related to Parkinson's. And I would find myself hijacking the conversation. That's great that we're talking about this, honey. But guess what? I've got Parkinson's and let's talk about how terrible it is. I tried to stop, but I couldn't. So almost a victim mindset, correct? And you were just pouring that into your wife? Very much so. After my denial at first, you internalize. I wrapped myself up in despair. I isolated myself because I didn't know what else to do. I was, I was, that's the key word, was going to have to deal with this disease for the rest of my life. And I knew I wasn't going to escape the effects of Parkinson's. So some time goes by, and then you have this epiphany. Share with us what happened. The epiphany for me relates back to I attack things. I don't like to be in the dark about something. I would rather attack it know what's going on, and be prepared for it. I wanted to keep focusing on it. However, she did not. I mean, she was retreating into her own denial. I could see her feet just pedaling backwards in my mind, trying to back away, but, but be there for me at the same time. But I kept jumping the gap between us. She was needing distance. Mm. And there I was not allowing her to get away because I needed her to hear me. I needed to sort things out. I knew that things needed to change. So what happened? Something that is very difficult to remember when you're working through all of this, those of us who have diseases such as Parkinson's, it's not only us that are affected by this. What I'm saying is it's not all about me. There are loved ones that want to help and want to be there, but they don't know how. And when we wrap ourselves in the cocoon of it's all about us, we cut off everyone else in our life. And over a period of time, they're going to stray. So rules needed to be established to better protect my loved one. I believe our words are very powerful. Words can tear down walls or they can build walls up to where no one can ever get in. So there needed to be agreed upon times for my wife and I when it was safer to talk about Parkinson's. I didn't need to just vomit on her. I was careful when I brought up Parkinson's. And as a result, holding back, speaking about Parkinson's so much, that it had an effect on me to where I was not as consumed by it. Now, we need to be flexible in how rigid we adhere to how often we talk about it or when we do, because there's times to where it, it clearly needs to be discussed. It's important to me and not forget about my wife, that she can go anywhere she wants to, that she can leave and say, this isn't what I signed up for. 
And just as I courted her when we were dating and to marriage, I need to continue to court her, not only because I don't want her to leave, but also because I love her. And that's, that means letting other people in as well. And how are things going now? This is difficult for me to put into words, and I really have to hand it to my wife for not getting so defensive. Last week, we were talking about this, and I just came out and said, I feel like I am getting ahead of you in regards to dealing with Parkinson's. By the time you get over being in denial, I'm afraid that I'll be so far up the road, or at least farther up the road, that we won't be together on this. A theme from episode one is the clock is ticking, and I'm running out of time. And we've always met things head on together when the effects of Parkinson's really becomes predominant. I want to make sure that we are together, that we're not mismatched with her being in denial still and and waiting for it to somehow affect her and reactively take action when the effects of Parkinson's really becomes very apparent that I really needed her to be more proactive. And it really is amazing, the result. Again, I just have an amazing wife. I really tried to choose my words wisely. It was not an eloquent speech, that is for sure. But to her credit, she has been learning much more about Parkinson's, listening to podcasts and getting into groups. And she said a few days ago that I'm beginning to understand what you're talking about, that it's okay to talk about this and our plans together and not separate and even the importance of joking around about it. Her statement was, if you were to kid about or someone else were to kid you about one of your effects of Parkinson's, I would have been extremely mad instead of going along with the joke. So however you can communicate with your spouse, it's important to do it. It's understandable to stay in your cocoon. It's understandable to wrap yourself in the cloak of solace and isolation. But we got to get busy living and not dying. We need to continue to move forward. Feeling like a preacher now when I talk about this is because it's that important. Well, my compliments to you both for taking such a difficult thing as Parkinson's disease. And what advice do you have to those in our audience who are married and one of their spouses has Parkinson's? That's a really tough question. And I wonder, nine months being in, I'm just not capable of answering this question, but I'll give it a shot. I recommend learning about the disease as much as possible. And that is so broad because it is so vast and it's so different for each person. However, like you, Brian, my wife and my, my great friends, having an understanding about what Parkinson's is, really is helpful for me to convey what I'm feeling and thinking and scared about without having to explain the particular symptoms or the sickness or the outlook that I'm afraid of. And I think a lot of people are very similar to me in this way. I think it's just very human. And to think about if the roles were reversed, if my wife had Parkinson's and I didn't, I know it would be very uncomfortable 
but I hope I would I would think that I would get past it enough to get into a support group to learn about how this affects those with Parkinson's. Focus your support group to that age bracket that your spouse is in. And finally, counseling. There is such a wave that is going to crash over you in your life as a spouse or loved one with someone who has Parkinson's. You have to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself and you don't proceed through the process of grieving that you need to, there's no way you're going to be able to take care of that other person. Now, when I say counseling, I think a formal counselor specializing in this area is the best. However, it can be connected back to the support group. Be able to lean on someone else. It can be a very lonely disease for the person, obviously, but also that loved one, that spouse that may not be exposed to this information. Well, you guys are to be commended because I'm sure 17 years ago when you took those vows, you had no idea that Parkinson's disease would be something you would have to experience, especially at this early stage in your 40s. So you're to be commended, and I know it's a a one-day-at-a-time journey, and some days are better than others, but it seems like you guys are hanging in there and doing the best that you can. So well done with that. And as someone who was there at the very beginning, I'm very proud of the direction you're trying to go with this diagnosis. Well, thank you. And it is a day at a time. What's worked well for you out there in the audience? Those of you who are married or maybe your spouse has Parkinson's, we would love to hear your story. Daniel, how can they contact you? Our email address is Parkinson's and me podcast at gmail.com. Toll free number to call for our voicemail if you're in the U.S. is 706-873-1656. I've left this information in the description of the podcast. So if you're listening to this in a podcast player, Look down in the description and there is a direct link to where you can click to call or to take you directly to our podcast feed address. So many different ways to communicate with us and we hope that you do. Oh, Brian, like a great bow that's tied for a present. I say we wrap it up and say, let's conclude episode five. Parkinson's and Mary. We hope you found some value from the program and encourage you to listen to future episodes that will be coming to you very soon. Thanks for listening. Our email address is Parkinson's and me podcast at gmail.com. Toll free number to call for our voicemail if you're in the U.S. is 706 873 1656. If you're listening to this in a podcast player, look down in the description and there is a direct link to where you can click to call or to take you directly to our podcast feed address. Also, if you have the Anchor app, it's a pretty cool app that you can find on Apple and Google's app stores. You can search for Parkinson's and me on the app 
Tap on the podcast. Along the top right, you'll see voice message. Tap on that and you can record a message and it will send it directly to us. 